0: Hi, this is Andy, and welcome to Episode 6 of This Won't Teach You Anything. On Episode 6, we have a couple things uh, to go over. A new segment here that we call, Is That All You Talk About? And on that segment, I'm going to be talking to the host of a new podcast. The podcast name is Rudy's Roundup, and the host is my brother, Travis Rude. Rudy's Roundup is a podcast based on all things Disney. The films, the parks, everything Disney. And on Sound You Can Feel, we're going to be talking about, at the time of this recording, the very recent passing of Eddie Van Halen. So if you haven't already, or don't even know who Van Halen are as a group, download something, legally, and listen to Van Halen. If you've never listened to him before and want to know what Eddie Van Halen was about musically, download Eruption and follow it up with... You really got me. Now, let's get into it. This is Is That All You Talk About? Shut up! Nope. And we're here with uh, my brother and host of Rudy's Roundup, Travis Rude. Travis, say hello. Hello to all you out there, or should I say... Hey, howdy, hey. There you go. All right, so, Travis, a discussion I wanted to go ahead and have this week is, um, since you're Rudy's Roundup, I should mention, is a Disney, everything Disney podcast, right? I mean, what's what's the premise?
1: It's basically an all-things Disney. So, I'm a huge fan of Disney World, but also the movies, the studio, uh, and also Walt himself, you know, I love researching the story of Walt and how he came to it and some of the ups and downs and Roy as well, always being tasked with the difficulty of finding the money for Walt whenever he had uh, a crazy idea.
0: So So just a little bit of everything. Sure. So Roy was Walt's brother. Yes. Yep. Roy was
1: Walt's brother and always got tasked with Walt would have an idea and he'd always ask
0: Roy to find him the money. All right. So there we go. Um, One of the things that, that I, I don't think, Can be ignored, you know. With with this show being centered um, on pop culture, one of the things that you can't ignore is Disney's influence on pop culture, and this this goes back to um, back to the days of the the you know before Mickey was around when when you know Walt would have these ideas. What do you know about Walt's um, beginnings and and that time period before Disney was household name.
1: Well, a lot of it was based on his struggles of trying to get something to catch on and you Disney fans. And even just the, the basic Disney fan, if you've been down there, you've seen or heard of Oswald, the lucky rabbit. Right. And that was, that was his first main creation that got published and, uh, through some, uh, unscrupulous doings got taken away from him, uh, by a newspaper editor, I believe and so it left him again searching for the next big thing, which would have been Mortimer Mouse had his wife, Vivian, not stepped in. It's not quite the same.
0: No, no, uh Mortimer, uh, can you imagine uh, the mortar Mortimer Mouse uh Club? No, no, it just doesn't have the, the same uh the same pizzazz that uh that Mickey does. Now, you mentioned Oswald and, and I did too. Recently within the last, I don't know, five, six years, Disney finally got the rights back. To Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, so exactly. So you know they, which the rights to Oswald the the Lucky Rabbit and anything else in the world that might become popular or is popular. That's kind of Des- Disney's mo these days, right? Exactly is to hey, what else can we buy? When things were going good,
1: you know, economy's up, everything's up, people are going to Disney World in record numbers. They had set uh, population or attendance records in nineteen. 19- and 18, and were on track to meet 19, but a lot of people were holding up because 21's going to be the 50th anniversary celebration of Disney World. So they looked out on the horizon, and of course you had the Star Wars deal, uh, which you're a huge fan, and then of course uh, the Fox buy. So everybody thought Star Wars, oh my goodness, what can they do next? They turn around you know, a year and a half later and pay what ended up being, what was it 52 billion uh, for Fox uh, the 20 century that Fox, what it was I believe that's what the
0: final number was Wow wow and you got to think a lot of that has to do with uh, one of the things and this is getting a little more into the technical side of things uh, when it comes to pop culture but one of the bigger acquisitions as you mentioned was was when Disney did purchase Lucasfilm and got the rights to the Star Wars films and um, Indiana Jones a lot of a lot of big dollar famous properties. Uh, it was something that George Lucas, I believe, he's gone on record as saying the only the only people he would have sold Lucasfilm to were Disney, uh, because of a working relationship that he's had with them for years. You know, Star Tours being the, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the first real Star Wars ride. Exactly. Uh, yep. And even before they had it, you had. Uh, Star
1: Wars Weekends, you know, that, that before Bantu opened up, you had Star Wars Weekends, you had Jedi Academy, things like that. Right. And at Disney World with Bantu opening uh, or Galaxy's Edge, you have even more. But yeah, it, you're right. Lucas, I remember reading that, said that would be only the only place he would ever sell it. And pretty penny later, it's theirs.
0: Right. And they didn't waste any time going ahead and cashing in on that. Um, also. Marvel, when they bought Marvel, so Marvel was on the Marvel Studios had already made Iron Man and a number of other films. When when Disney jumped in, obviously seeing the cash cow that was Marvel. Because let's let's be honest, the Marvel Studios. So it's really complex in the way that that all of these deals are structured. Because if you go to Universal Studios down in Florida, you'll find a Spider Man uh, experience, a ride down there as your friend, Mike, on your podcast mentioned an experience instead of rides. And I think that's a good description of things is, you know, people, some people will go down to Disney world. If you're, if you're a hardcore diehard Cedar point fan, um, or six flags or something like that, and you're a roller coaster fan and you don't know that much about Disney world, you might go ahead and go down there and it not be what you thought it would be because roller coasters aren't the main focus of Disney world. There's a few of them, but that's not what, what it's about. And so if you're just all about roller coasters and things like that, you're not going to, you're not going to enjoy yourself because it seems like when you go to a six flags or you go to a Cedar point or something like that, the mission is to go ahead and get to the next ride as fast as you can, because you're going to be in line for three hours. So it's it's right as many things as you can. Now Disney World everything point A to point B is an experience along with the ride because you're you're literally in a different you're in a different environment and not just like you go down to Tennessee and you see the mountains. I mean you're literally you're in the Pirates of the Caribbean. You're in uh, Liberty Square, you're in Tomorrowland, and they're all places that people have heard of, but you go ahead and and really get immersed in a lot of the, those things. And I think a good example of that, a really good example, is one of their uh, latest parks, uh, Animal Kingdom. So th- that's where you can really feel, especially with the oppressive summer heat down there in Florida, when mom and dad would always drag us down there in July and August, when the the temperature was 90 degrees and the humidity was 4,000.
1: Exactly. I I remember those days just as, as you described them, you know, waiting in line and, you know, being there before fast passes for those Mm. Disney fans out there, you know, that have been down there. And I think I, I relayed the, the story on episode one, but my, my wife going down there and I just explained this to someone at work today. They were asking me to, you know, kind of help lay the foundations of planning a trip when things open back up as much as they can. But, When you think about Disney World, and like you said, my friend Mike used a great example as far as experience, the Disney World is the size of San Francisco, 48 square miles. So Disney World owns as much property as the city of San Francisco. And you look at that and you can literally spend almost 30 minutes on a bus going from the farthest hotel to the farthest part. So you could be on a bus for 30 minutes just driving before you reach your destination. So it is. It's a whole encompassing experience, whether you're at the hotel, you're at one of the four parks, you're at the water parks. It just takes you away from everything because there's so much around you that keeps you away from the outside
0: world. Sure, sure. Going back to, uh, I've mentioned the Marvel acquisition, I, I jumped off on to licensing and how if you run over to Universal, you'll find a Spider-Man, I'll call it a ride, experience. But then you're like, well, wait a minute. Doesn't Disney own? You know, they're, well, the interesting thing with that is that Marvel, as a company, owns Spider-Man. But what can happen in this, uh, before Marvel, Marvel Studios, the actual film rights are owned by Sony. Sony Pictures, but the, the Marvel sold the rights to a ride featuring Spider-Man to Universal Studios. So that's why for the longest time, you know, I think Disney may have been interested and obviously they've got, they've got money people with their eyes open watching these different things. And, and somebody's ears perked up when they started seeing numbers that these Marvel movies were pulling down Mm -hmm. because what, what Marvel had at the time that they still own film rights to were a second tier of heroes. Okay. I mean, when superheroes, a pantheon of those, believe it or not. And these days it may be different, but it was always Superman, Batman. I mean, these were the the big ones, right? And Spider-Man from Marvel. The X-Men was big when I was growing up. Marvel studios didn't own the rights for a feature film for their biggest hero, Spider-Man, arguably, or the X-Men. They didn't own any of those rights. Sony still owns the rights to, to Spider-Man and they have to make a, a film. I believe it's every three years to retain those rights. And that's why you saw a reboot so, so quick with, uh, <laughs> after the Tobey Maguire one with Andrew Garfield. Yep. And then after that, you saw the collaboration with, uh, Disney and what might be, The best, if not one of the best, Spider-Man movies into the Spider-Verse, which that's a a solely um, Sony release. But you can't go ahead and it's just astonishing when you dig behind it and find out what it took to go ahead and get Spider-Man into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the amount of dealing and handshakes and, and that type of stuff. Even the, I believe... The third movie, the upcoming one, I think it was this one, not the second one. And it might've been the second one. So I'm, I'm, I'm pulling off a memory here was almost no, I, yeah, it would be the third one was Sony threatened to go ahead and, and pull the collaboration with Marvel and cause they couldn't work out the money and, and whatnot. And Sony would still be able to use Tom Holland as Spider-Man and he one night uh, called um, Bob Iger after he'd been drinking a little bit and was pretty depressed about when the deal fell apart and that's when Bob Iger uh, called Sony and they got on the phone and said we we just need to make this work so they did figure it out there will be a third Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider-Man but there'll be have to be some bleed over into the Sony Spider-Man universe, which I think you may see maybe Tom Hardy's Venom come through and whatnot. But it's a whole whole mess of of entertainment lawyers and and contracts and things like that. Um, you see it a lot with with things like that. Another one that not having to do with Disney was the reason it took so long. Why the Lord of the Rings was able to be made into a film before The Hobbit was, and that was because there were three studios that had the rights to the different parts of The Hobbit, and so that was a big mess, much like The Hobbit film trilogy was a big mess. But you can go ahead and also, when you're talking Disney and films and uh, parks and merchandising, you really can't go anywhere. I mean, I think the, the Holy Grail in Pulp pop culture is to go ahead and be able to have um, a logo or an icon so recognizable that people instantly know what it is. And I think um, the mouse ears are probably one of the most recognizable things in the world. You don't have to see anything else other than maybe a circle with those two other circles on it to know exactly what it is.
1: Exactly. The the branding that they have for Mickey Mouse And you think about it, Mickey Mouse, Steamboat Willie, 1928, you know, to now, you know, you're 92 years. And it's still, like you said, even more recognizable than ever before. There's so much marketing in Disney, whether, you know, they're the evil empire or whatever you consider them. They they know how to make money. They know how to, in some cases, print their own money, uh, literally uh, back when they did Disney
0: dollars. Yeah. Yeah. But we we actually uh, have some.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I've got a couple mom and dad probably still have them, but, uh, you look at what it meant to Disney to continue to make, uh, the franchise grow and grow, whether it be star Wars, whether it be Marvel and it's not always a, a hit, you know, uh, Kathleen Kennedy, one of the Disney presidents admitted recently that solo was a mistake for them to make. You know, because it was so close in proximity to the Last Jedi, you know. It, so not everything Disney touches turns to gold. We know that, and but the thing is, they are putting out product, you know, year after year after year after year. And with Marvel, they hit so many times and on so many levels. And then you know, you
0: look at Wandavision coming to Disney Plus, which I still don't totally understand what the hell that is
1: i have no idea man i've watched that trailer trailer a
0: hundred times and it's got to be something to do with like um a a multiverse type of thing exactly
1: that that's the only thing it can be when you're in so many different platforms and you've got falcon and winter soldier Mm -hmm. which i still don't know you know who's playing captain america is it is it going to be sam because i saw a tweet that had u.s agent right you know uh, what should be what they're saying is U.S. agent, not Captain America, right? Um, yeah, but then I characters. saw, yeah. So they they were really capitalizing, even with COVID, they're capitalizing on that, and then of course October thirtieth, I believe, The Mandalorian. Oh,
0: you know, yeah. I I I had watched the Clone Wars on and off, uh, the the animated series. Um, I think it started in two thousand thirteen. And there was, a, there was a delay between the season six and this last season. Um, season seven hit on Disney Plus after a, about a three or four year absence. So um, I went back and watched it and just finished everything about three hours ago because um, there's direct tie-ins from the Clone Wars into uh, The Mandalorian season two really yeah so I mean there's there's a big a big payoff in in season two which I you know I'll mention spoiler alert here but it, it it's it's only the sense of things that have been widely reported anyway so I don't know how much of a spoiler it is it has nothing to do with the plot because nobody really knows it um, other than what's been released in the trailers but um, in the Clone Wars one of the, the featured uh, characters that had never been been in a live action star Wars film was Ahsoka Tano and she yeah. will be in the Mandalorian. And so that'll be, that's a huge or orde- a huge deal to finally bring her to life. And she'll be played by Rosario Dawson in it. So that uh, I wanted to go ahead and catch up in that because believe it or not, I'm going to say that um, in the last season of the clone wars, which even as a hardened Star Wars fan, some of those episodes can be a grind to get through. I could edit out probably about close to a quarter to a third, which I think the story would do just fine with getting rid of. There, there's so many characters and they get they get uh, lost in the in the minutia of things, and you, you spend whole episodes on characters that you don't give <laughs> anything. About, But when it hits on all cylinders with the main characters, it's, it's great, especially the last season. But she, she has a fight with somebody in the last season. That's, that's top two or three lightsaber fights um, that, that I've seen. So it, uh, it, it really is. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the Mandalorian season two and seeing her on the, uh, on the big screen. So that. Yeah, as you mentioned, you know, at this point, Disney's just, you know, it's Disney's pop culture world, and everybody else is trying to get into the party.
1: Exactly, and that turns into, uh, with The Mandalorian, again, Disney, one, not like I said before, not everything they touch turns to gold. Two, in some cases, they don't know what they've touched has turned into platinum, as was the marketing uh, snafu with the Mandalorian season one when they didn't have enough baby Yoda stuff out and people were calling
0: for it and calling for it and calling for it. I bet George Lucas about threw up (laughs) because it really felt, um, if you look back into, um, the history of, of George Lucas and there's a great, um, series on Netflix, I believe called the, uh, the toys that made us. And episode one or two of that series uh, deals with Star Wars toys and how, how that those things came to be. Because before George Lucas, licensing stuff for from movies to toys wasn't a big deal. It wasn't, you know, nobody worried about it. There was no money there. And he, when he got Star Wars made and financed a bunch of it himself, almost all of it, he was able to go ahead and secure all these rights to things that nobody else wanted. And so arguably I really believe as much money as it made, I really think it hurt the quality of the the films, even going back to the original trilogy uh, in the original uh, version of return of the Jedi. The, the, the script called for the big battle at the end to be on Kashyyyk, which is the Wookiee homeworld. So the Ewoks weren't a thing. It was going to be Wookiees in that battle. But George saw an opportunity to market to kids and Ewok toys. They're cuter.
1: Exactly. So
0: that's why we got Ewoks, which, dear God, how, how did the Empire take over anything with <laughs> when they... Stormtroopers getting beat by teddy bears? I mean, they they couldn't shoot, so that's one thing. They couldn't see, that's another. But my God, even as I, the only saving grace um, that, that really kept that from going off the rails, I mean, if you watch Return of the Jedi, and I think you and I have talked about this, and you know what a huge Harrison Ford fan I am. Harrison Ford, that's the only movie I've ever seen him mail it in on he was under contract to do it, but wanted to die at the end of empire, wanted Han Solo to die um, in the carbon freezing because he felt it would go ahead and give like um, gravity to the, to the story and it would be a meaningful death. And George Lucas was like, no, you're, you might be the most popular of the good guys in there and you're, there's no way. So he was under contract to do it. Next time you watch empire or yeah, empire, Star Wars Empire and then Return of the Jedi. Next time you're watching it, check the performance between Empire and Return of the Jedi. It is, it's just, it's just mailed in. He just didn't want to be there. Um, But that's what the, a lot of the movie felt like. And then you have the endless um, retooling that George did with things. Um, the the I don't mind the addition of special effects and things like that. I know a lot of people, Want the original versions of the films um, released, which I'd be fine with that. the The special effects editions don't bother me, but in the Blu ray release, Lucas, at the end of Return of the Jedi, there's a one of the most perfect scenes in all of the nine Skywalker films, where. And spoiler alert, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Star Wars, just turn it off. Turn <laughs> turn the podcast off because I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, Luke is being electrocuted by the Empire, or the Emperor. And uh, he, after he just basically defeated uh, Vader in lightsaber combat, chopped off his hand. And he tells the Emperor that he'll never turn to the dark side. And the Emperor, Emperor tells him... If if you won't turn, then you will die. And he hits him with the, the force lightning and he's electrocuting him. And Darth Vader's getting up off the ground and he's standing there and he's he's watching. He's standing by the emperor as he's electrocuting him and laughing and Luke's calling for help. Father, please. And you see Vader without any words at all and a huge, and a mask on. You see him look over at Luke and then you see him look over at the emperor and then he does it again and then he picks up the Emperor, throws him down the, the uh, tunnel, kills him, and uh, basically saves Luke. All with no words, just the raspy breathing that's, you know, kind of fallen apart now since he was defeated uh, by Luke with the lightsaber. But it was perfect. In the Blu-ray release, which is a beautiful transfer of video, Lucas threw in that stupid-ass no he goes no 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 you know and it's like it was totally not needed you could see everything even with him wearing a mask what his fight what he was battling inside himself and so i'm hoping that a lot of that stuff stops now that george can't go in there and continually screw with it <laughs> but um yeah aside from that i i, I I'm glad Disney got uh, got a hold of Star Wars because I don't know that we would have ever seen the um, – for as much um, vitriol as there is in the Star Wars fan universe, which I, I mentioned before and another – I think the discussion that uh, you and I and Jake and, and Ort had, that the Star Wars fandom is is just – toxic yeah it's yeah. on a whole new level it's, oh, it's a whole it, different level it, it is so toxic and and you know if you it's like you can't you can, if you say that you enjoy the new the the last seven, eight, nine, then you know you are an idiot and disney ruined star wars and and i'm old enough to remember and, and there's people sticking up for the prequels you know in relation to 7, 8, and 9, they're like, you know, they've ruined everything. And and I think what it is, because when the prequels came out, they got a lot of hate.
1: Mm-hmm. Georgia,
0: Oh, Oh, my God. And I always maintained that with the prequels, it was, they just weren't fun movies. They were overly serious. Yep. Um, You know, the, the enemy forces, the battle droids, are some of the worst. N- no movie um no movie series or property could have survived those idiot battle droids and their voices and their just annoyance other than Star Wars that's the only reason those were allowed to be in three films just because yeah. Star Wars had it said Star Wars on it um but I think a lot of it has to do with what you grew up with in anything. You know, we tend to remember things fondly from our childhood. I would be anxious to talk to somebody who is 20 years old. And I bet you'll find more people in their 40s that enjoy stranger things than people in their 20s. Oh, I would totally agree because of the nostalgia. Exactly. Because in that movie, I'm going to date myself, but in Stranger Things, it takes place in 1983. I would have been 10 years old in 1983 and some of those toys I had that you see in that. So, you know, I can easily identify with with that time period. Um, if, if Stranger Things was set in um, 1942, is it the same, you know, it, it, does it have the same thing? I, I don't know. But, you know, that, that, that's the thing about going back to Disney is they've been around so long and done so many things that your parents, that um, your kids and your grandkids are all going to have memories of, of Disney World. And, you know, for years, nothing happened with Mickey Mouse. You know, right. I mean, there was no new Mickey Mouse stuff and there didn't have to be. Right. Because Mickey Mouse was Disney.
1: Yep, and Mickey Mouse was always known. You exactly. you knew. Yep, you knew who Mickey Mouse was, even in the '80s. You you knew if you had kids, you knew who Mickey Mouse was. You know, and, and these new cartoons, hey, uh, I mean, they're marketed at today's thing. kids. Exactly, they're and not it, the ones you awesome. saw. Exactly, and you know, with with just to touch on Star Wars real quick. Growing up, I remember your passion for Star Wars, and I remember talking to you about it because. Yeah, I born in '79, so I was, you know, I missed them as they came out first. But I remember asking you a lot of stuff about it, and you just answering and having the answers. And on Facebook, uh, you know, as time got time went on, the movies got released. I remember your Facebook battles, reading your comments with some of the toxic oh,
0: Star Wars. Yeah, the, yeah. If if you can avoid Facebook wars, you'll be all the better for it. Any situation, but yeah. Yeah, it, it, there's no winning. No, nope. uh, nope. you remember the old movie uh, war, war Games? Oh yeah, the uh, when the computer realizes at did. the end, you know that that nuclear war they have they have the, the computer play tic tac toe. Spoiler alert! Yeah, have the computer <laughs> play tic tac toe, and the computer realizes and says, when it comes to war, the only winning move is not to play. Yes, and so, um, yeah. But that's just it. There, there's Star Wars has been around since 1977, and so you have fans like me who grew up with it, with the original trilogy. But then mm-hmm. you have fans in the late 80s, um, uh, I'm sorry, in the 90s that grew up with the prequel trilogy. And to talk to some of those people, that's their Star Wars. Yes, that's their favorite, and because isn't that that's hard what to they believe- grew up.
1: Because growing up like we did. Yeah. you Listen to those people. Wait, what? That's,
0: that's your favorite. Yep. And you'll, you'll see it. It'll take a little while, but you'll see kids that saw these that'll like these the most. Yes. Oh yeah. And, um, that goes across everything. Again, going back to our, our talk on Disney, it just, it's so transcendent of, of time when you've got that much time over that and that much influence over generations. You mentioned Steamboat Willie, 1928. The amount of people that were alive in 1928, you know, is a small percentage of people. So for probably most people listening to this podcast, I'm going to guess probably all that are listening to this podcast, they don't, they have never lived in a world without Disney. Exactly. And I love
1: that. That's a great way of putting that.
0: Yeah. I mean, nobody it's always been there as, as far as, as our living history, It it's always been there. And so it's just gotten bigger. And so when people go ahead and, you know, you mentioned, uh, people referring to as the, um, evil empire, you don't go into business to not make money.
1: Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. You, you go in there for a reason. Walt went in there for a reason. He believed he could make full length animated cartoons, Snow White, which my favorite Disney movie, you know, in in 37. But before that, you know, he, he did the shorts Walt Disney, 23 Academy Awards, three honorary Academy Awards, the most ever. And for Snow White, he received, you know, one Oscar and seven mini Oscars. Yes. Uh, You know, for the contribution. And I think that's the
0: only modified Oscar ever.
1: It is Exactly.
0: It, you, and so you look, even in 37,
1: the movies, you know, the academies, the academy knew what a game changer that was, you know, and Walt did everything he could. Like you said, he was in business to make money. So what did he do during World War II? He made propaganda films to help get money into the studio so he could continue making things. So as a businessman, yes, there's good and bad to every businessman. You know, there there's some things you may not be proud of, but he did it to keep the studio going. Sure, and it, it worked because you look at even through the rough times of the, the seventies and mm. you know eighties when uh, when the Disney movies weren't uh we'll
0: we'll call them top tier. Yeah, there's there's some forgetful ones in there. I think yes. the studios were nearing bankruptcy.
1: Yeah, was, and and that's happened a couple times. You know, you look at the Eisner years, which brought back the animation, the you know Little Mermaid. Beauty mm-hmm. and the Beast, Lion King, you know, but then Eisner got a little bit too greedy, and, and uh, there was the almost purchase by Tom that happened during his tenure. That kind of led to him uh, seeing his way out the door. But with, with Disney, you put it best. Most people haven't lived in a world without Disney. Yeah. Yep. And with them getting star Wars, they were able to, you know, say, Hey, star tours is great, but that's old. Look at what we're doing now. You've got the galactic star cruiser at Disney world, which is going to be opening up, up. Um, hopefully next year that is going to be unlike any hotel experience. If you of course read the, read the marketing, unlike any hotel experience you'll ever have.
0: Yeah. What's, what's, what is the difference since I know you've, you've looked at all, I think I've got a pretty good idea, but explain why, why it's a different experience in that hotel. So the the story behind it's two days, and two days max. Yes, is is your reservation immersive? So if you're going to Disney World for a week, you can only stay two days at the Galactic Star Cruiser.
1: Exactly, and then you better
0: have other reservations somewhere else. Yep. Okay. So two days, and it's basically as
1: you get uh, to the port, the entry, you go in, and from that point on, everything is based around you being. Uh, in outer space, your windows, windows of your, of your pod are looking out into space, you know, and you're transported via starship
0: to, uh, galaxy's edge to Bantu. And that's, that's an entrance right from the, the hotel, the star cruiser into the park. The only one,
1: exactly. That entrance is only available through those people staying there. And, but it's the only hotel that opens right into a park. Exactly. Your next closest is, you know, you've got Animal Kingdom, then you've got, which is right near the park, then you've got Grand Floridian the Polynesian Contemporary that are right near Magic Kingdom, but nothing opens into the park
0: like that. That's right. You still hotel. have to either walk or uh, um, get on a bus or the, uh, uh, the what's the new? The Skyliner? The, yep, the Skyliner. Yep. So, yeah, that's that's another one. So, am, am I right to understand in the Galactic Star Cruiser, uh, two days max, and everyone's in character. Yes, so it,
1: it's all in character. Just like
0: in the park, you'll be able to use, from what I've
1: read, you'll be able to use the Disney Parts app on your phone mm-hmm. to translate writing that's on the walls in some areas of the hotel. You hold your phone up to it, it'll translate it for you. Right. But that's total immersion And the bus, even the bus, is the inside of the bus is going to be designed to look like you're in a, basically a spaceship, a pod, Mm -hmm. uh, you know that's taking you there. So, again, Disney pulling out all this, uh, pulling out all the stops to make an experience like you've never had before. And judging from, you know, price tags that (laughs) you that people have been have been seeing estimates since nothing's in stone. You know, you've been hearing, I've been hearing the two night excursion will run 2200 I've heard 1400 I've heard 2800 you know it's all over the place sure but it's it won't have a problem you know once COVID you know we get back to whatever normal is now
0: Mm -hmm.
1: people are going to do it it's going to be full there's going to be no shortage of people on the list coming in
0: absolutely so and that's the thing that that Disney does better than anybody else is they go top tier I've been to Universal Studios um, I I forget which side of the park because if you've ever, if you've never been to Universal, have you been there? I have not. Okay, so if you've it's kind of the same thing. You have, um, I believe two different parks down there, and I might be wrong, but I, I'm not counting the water parks. But there's two, and you you buy tickets to each of the two parks. I think the Islands of Adventure and uh, the main park, and their main draw is the Harry Potter license. Yes. And so um, I took my oldest daughter, Skylar, there when she graduated from high school. We went over there because she's a big Harry Potter fan. And she had to pick which park she wanted to go to. One of them uh, contained uh, Diagon Alley. And one of them had the um, uh, Hogwarts Castle and um, um, I think Hogsmeade, maybe. I, I can't remember exactly. But... She picked uh, the newer one, Diagon Alley, and that was pretty top tier, that setup. But I'll tell you, the rest of Universal, you can see why Disney, why you spend more at Disney. It's just a different, it's another level of quality, another level of cleanliness, um, and things are just taken care of better. I mean, Universal still had the ET ride. Going And I imagine it's nostalgic for a lot of people who grew up going yeah. to Universal Studios, um, you know, kind of like some of the dated, you know, let, let's be honest, a small it's a small world is not the in the pantheon of the greatest technological achievements ever. And it's dated when you look at it. But it's it is what it is. It's, it's a historical piece of the Disney story and a historical piece of the parks. So exactly. it, and it's never going to be updated. It, it's going to look the same. It's going to be the same as when you got on it when you were four years old as it is when you're 40.
1: Or and, when your parents made you that the first ride you had to go on every time. we Yes. Went.
0: Yes. And if you listen to Rudy's Roundup, you will hear the story of of uh, it's a small world and our trek to basically the straight through the park to the back to get on that before we could do anything else. Yep, but he tells that story again on Rudy's Roundup. Check it out. Um but yeah, the ET ride as nostalgic as it may be, it just um the popularity of ET back then probably made it a fan favorite, but I I found myself comparing everything I got on down there to everything I got on at Disney World, and it just there's no comparison. Again, Diagon Alley and the Escape from Gringotts uh, roller coaster slash 3D experience is very was very good. I mean, it was it was close to Disney worthy. It's it's a good, uh, well done. But yeah, aside from the the Harry Potter stuff, a lot of it's dated. Um, but yeah, the again going back to the overall influence of Disney, the films, the TV shows, and, and now streaming. I mean, that's another thing you can get into and just look at and go, my God, I mean, that's nothing, you know, for forever since the beginning, Netflix dominated the streaming world. And I'm sure they still are at this point, but with everybody launching their own service, Netflix is never going to see another Disney movie. And when I say Disney movie, I mean another Marvel movie, Mm -hmm. another Star Wars movie, Uh, these huge, IPs, intellectual properties, are just now not going to head over there. I believe Universal is starting a streaming service. There's Warner Brothers might be as well. So pretty soon you have to wonder if terrestrial or um, cable TV is going to go by the wayside and eventually just get to a point where um, they're going to be forced, to which I as a consumer would really like, an a la carte option. You just buy the channels you want. Absolutely. But you know, it's kind of like revenue sharing in sports, you know, the, uh, you know, everybody gets a piece of the, the broadcast pie. Yep. And so I I don't know if we'll ever see that because it makes too much sense for us, but not enough money for the big guys.
1: Exactly. Like dad used to say, you know,
0: Heck, I've got, you
1: know, a hundred channels and I watch four of them. Yeah. And that's, you that's know?
0: true throughout the, um, throughout the, I think everybody, you know, I've got, I've got, um, cable and I, I'm trying to remember, aside from sports, I don't know when I really watch it. Right. Cause you know, one, we don't, we don't have it
1: and because we didn't watch it enough to, to justify it. But you know, I can watch just a little patience. I can watch uh the Mandalorian season one, you know all at once, or in the case of other ones, you can watch I love the Blacklist, not Disney property, but I love the Blacklist. you know, I can watch that whole season once it comes out, you know, or half season or whatever mm-hmm. but with Disney plus you brought it up it it is late to the party and already such a huge influence. When they reported their last earnings, when everybody was worried, including myself, but I was worried more so of how much Disney stock am I going to buy when they report their drastic losses. The thing that saved them was estimates going into that quarter were 40 to 60 million Disney Plus subscribers. On the earn- earnings call, that number, uh, that actual number, was closer to 100 million by the time that earnings call. So they were, they were severely underestimating the draw of Disney plus in that time frame, Right. And you look at the, the IP that's there, the intellectual property that's there, whether it be the Mandalorian, WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, you know, even the little stuff. Like I love those two minute, um, ask Forky uh, mm-hmm. things that are out there. Pixar Pro, in real uh, life. Yes. Yeah. prop culture. Love that. Show. Oh yeah. That, uh, and that
0: goes right along with, you know, in this podcast uh, that yeah. I'm a guest on. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, Thing about that too is, you know, I, I keep harping on it, but uh, again, a Disney influence. They are able to go ahead and package that streaming service with ESPN, which they own, and um, and Hulu too. You know, for twelve ninety nine, you get all three of those. Are you kidding? And you get multiple screens. Yeah, yeah. It's it's absolutely insane what they're going to do now. It'll be interesting. Uh, the, the package is good for three years. Is that right? You can get yep. that. So it'll be interesting to see what they do Uh, at, at that point. it is It's a lot of work to keep a streaming service fresh when it's all your stuff. That's the thing that Netflix had going. They were able to pull from all these different spots and keep rotating the stock. Before long, even Disney's going to have everything on there, so they're going to have to start rotating stuff in and out. And that's yep. nothing new for them because when – the um their animated films would vault and you know go quote unquote into the vault mm-hmm. and then return uh, i don't know what seven years something like that seven years yep that uh you know you th- they'd get re-released and it was great that's something nobody else was doing and then the and that was those were theatrical releases too and then they started doing it on home video VHS and beta tapes they would release them on there and there's there's a few Uh, Disney VHS movies that are worth quite a lot of money if you have them on VHS. And which, uh, again, just uh, another, another feather in that, uh, that uh, Disney cap. So, and then what did they do? They started remaking their own films in live action and people are going to see them, you know, it's, and it's again, because it's such, such. Perfect marketing. You can go ahead, you grew up, and it came out before you were born, but I remember you grew up Robin Hood, the Disney version of Robin Hood with the animals. They're they're doing a a CGI version of Robin Hood.
1: Yes. And I couldn't be more excited.
0: Exactly. And you're gonna take your daughter.
1: Yes. I'll be there opening night. Exactly.
0: So they're just what what can we do? I can, I can picture a board meeting with these guys kind of sitting around there and saying, okay, what do we do next? And, you know, everybody kind of looking around. And I picture one person kind of half paying attention, maybe surfing through his phone and say, just kind of offhand say, I don't know, why don't we remake our own movies? Wait a and second. yes, exactly. And it goes back to the term you mentioned. They're printing their own money now. It just, and, and you can say that things um, don't always turn to gold. And, and you mentioned Solo, which is a really, it's a fun movie. It really is. I think Solo had some other issues other than them putting them out too fast. I think there was the the real divisiveness of The Last Jedi and um, the fact that you have somebody trying to step into a Harrison Ford created character an iconic yeah is is just real tough because it's a tough act to follow it's a it's a great movie it's a great you know you sit down with popcorn don't know what to watch kind of like star wars stuff watch it it stands alone on its own it's really good um but i mean i think that still globally did 400 million dollars
1: but and they're apologizing for it yeah yeah
0: exactly so yeah, these days, if you're not crossing a billion on a blockbuster worldwide, you're, you're, you know, that that's just the expectations. But going back to um, Disney, is there, I don't see any stopping anything that they're doing. As far as, you know, the, uh, when you talk to the parks, you have the Imagineers, you have the marketing department, you have, all the brains of the people. It's why they've been so interested. Um, Bob Iger has tried to retire how many times? Uh, three. He's he's announced his
1: retirement. And then just this recent one, when Bob Chapek, he named Bob Chapek CEO and said, hey, you're in charge. You're on the board. He, you know, he, that he was only going to be on the board as, as a member. And then COVID hit. And he kind of said, all right, Bob, you're the CEO of Disney. I'm going to go ahead and be the head of the board of directors Yeah. because we need to make sure that this is doing right. And I'm going to take over and maintain control of Disney plus. So he stepped
0: back in yeah. and said, all right, I got this. Yep. Yep. So, uh, you know, again, Disney is, is just, there's Disney and then there's everybody else in the world of, of I'm going to say pop culture and entertainment. Uh, you can like things that aren't, a Disney property more, but you can't ignore the influence of what Disney does and how they do it. I think you've had, you have people, uh, trying to emulate, trying to copy, uh, them for years. And if, if they see something they like, you know, the, the chances that were taken that Marvel studios took at the beginning are just astonishing. And I'm going to, he hates when I talk about it, but if you've listened to any of these podcasts, um, you've heard, my buddy Jake Gehringer on two prior episodes. And yes. I remember, I remember being at your house and the, the trailer for Iron Man hitting and we're watching on, it must've been a Monday night football game or a Sunday night football game. We're watching it and Iron Man trailers on. And I remember saying, yeah, a lot of us in there saying, man, that looks good like that. And Jake, now this is, this is film student, Jake you know the the connoisseur of film and the legend lives out in hollywood la um in amongst the people yeah that'll never fly that's gonna flop that's like basically a flying robocop and we looked at it i remember yeah and we're like what are you talking about that looks fun that looks good and then it exploded so he's constantly apologizing and he hates that so that's why i'm bringing it up Jake. yes yep you suck (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah go ahead i think what what goes
1: along with disney and you said you said it yourself you you grow up with it in different ways and it means uh different things uh to different people and for me you know it, it's it's another chance you know as as we have our phases another chance to you know, to bond with dad and talk about the latest vlog or the latest podcast we listen to, you know, and you know, you'll be there and mom will be there. And, and, uh, you know, we watch so-and-so podcast for this one or dad will call me up. Hey, I just got done listening to Pete over on, you know, this podcast and, you know, and, oh yeah, I heard that one too. Let's talk about this and that. And then one thing we didn't even touch on, which, you know, we don't have to dive into. We didn't, Hey, come on over to my show and and we'll talk about it. But DVC, you know, vacation club, Mm -hmm. you know, dad and I talk about that constantly. And and finally I am a part of it and just all the stuff that brings to you. But Disney relates on so many different ways. Like I remember dad introducing me to the Davy Crockett films, mm, the best Parker, best Parker. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I had my Tombskin cap, I was a huge fan of the Alamo before that, but you know, dad Sven and Marty, you mm-hmm. know, I remember he, he was a big fan of that. And then just different ways to bond like Beth, uh, you know, she just finally watched and it had me a little worried when it did poorly. If you remember Cinderella, the first remake, The first live action.
0: Now, Uh, was that the first? I thought Maleficent was the first.
1: I believe Cinderella, I'd have to look it up, so you might be right, fat checker out there. But Cinderella didn't do well. And, uh, you know, so it kind of worried some people. If you read articles, is this the way to go for Disney? Things like that. And then you had things like Maleficent. You had Beauty and the Beast, Mm. uh, which just exploded. I mean, obviously, casting went into that. But you look at it and mulan that that's that can be you know just a discussion in itself how disney said all right movie theaters aren't open we're going to take a gamble
0: yeah and it worked out for them
1: absolutely you know they they weren't sure and, and yes it hurts the theater industry because who knows where that will lead i still want to go to a movie theater and there's see there's certain
0: movies. there's certain films you want to see in a theater watching yep. avengers endgame at home is fine once you've seen it on a big screen, but it's, it, it can't compare with being there with a live crowd absolutely and, and, and just people cheering and, yep. and whatnot. I mean, it just, for me, it'll never be replaced. Yeah. That, that experience
1: of, of doing that. And then you and I mentioned it on your last podcast or you and Jake, uh, avatar two, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is coming out. I want to see that in theaters. Yeah. I'll watch it at home. I want to go to a theater. Oh, and see that movie.
0: Anybody know who owns the rights to Avatar?
1: Huh. If I think about it, there might be a Pandora in Animal Kingdom.
0: Yep. Yep. So, if you want to see uh, Avatar, you can find it on Disney Plus. That's right. So, yeah, the, it it has it, it can't be ignored. Everything that that you've mentioned, and and yeah, I think I think um, one of the things that you know, as as our parents get older. And whatnot. The, I don't think the, the love for all things Disney is waning. If, if anything, it, uh, it might be what's keeping them going at this point. They're in, (laughs) they're in great health, but I, I have to attribute part of that to the fact that they, I think, they run their lives by the next trip to Disney. They love the grandkids and all that and want to take the grandkids down there to want to take us down there. But, um, yeah, I think uh, the main reason for dad getting a hip replacement is so that he can go ahead and track around Disney.
1: Even longer. Yep. yep. More years on it. Yep. Yeah. Y- you won't catch him in a Razzie. No, um, no. But I-, I think you're absolutely right, you know, because they talked about, oh, we've got our January. We've got our, oh February. yeah. you know, and uh, I-, I already put a-, a calendar invite in dad's phone. Uh, We're going to book our. September 26th through October 3rd of next year. Just so dad and I are at the magic kingdom on October 1st celebrating the 50th anniversary. Oh, good. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be miserably packed. Sure. Just so we can, you can say, say, that say that you're there. there. Absolutely.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And that's, that's what it does. That's why you can't ignore anything that, that this company is doing. You can not like the fact that, you know, their stuff. If you get down there to the park, you're paying $6 for a bottle of Coke. Um, yep. <laughs> the fact of the matter is you can't ignore what they've done and what they continue to do. And more often than not, they put a good product out on screen on TV uh, or in the park. And, and, you know, if you go down there and and look at, it, I find it all well worth it myself. And I hate crowds. It's just something that, that you can't see anywhere else. And, you know, I think a lot of us who, who are lucky and, and uh, well off enough to go ahead and be able to enjoy something like that, Uh, shouldn't take for granted the fact that, uh, one that we can do it, but then go ahead and, and, and spend time with your kids and things that they're going to remember. Uh, Travis, I want to thank you for, uh, taking some time here to discuss, uh, things, uh, all things, Disney and, uh, pop culture here on this won't teach you anything. Why don't you do me a favor? Again, Travis is host of Rudy's roundup, uh new podcast, all things, Disney, So if you've got things that you want to learn about the parks, things about Disney history, uh, that's the show to listen to. Uh, Travis, do you have the information on how to get to this show?
1: Absolutely. You can find Rudy's Roundup on many of your podcast apps that are out there, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, It will be up on Amazon soon, Pandora soon. So take a look at that. You can reach out to me. Uh, on Facebook, it's Rudy's roundup. Twitter is at Rudy's roundup. And then on Instagram, I'm also Rudy's roundup. And then finally, if you guys have questions or things you want to see discussed on the show, uh, you can reach out to email at Rudy's roundup at gmail.com. That's R O O D Y S roundup at com.
0: Yep. So once again, Travis, I appreciate your time and, uh, let me know if you need me to, uh, Spill out any pop culture knowledge over on Rudy's Roundup sometime.
1: Absolutely, we're gonna definitely have you on. We're gonna be doing a Star Wars episode, so oh. nobody I'd rather have on there, uh, giving me some uh, knowledge on that and dispersing some of the Totsit crowds that are uh, that are out there.
0: Yeah, do me a favor, find find me somebody who really enjoys the prequels most of all, and it's then... probably Ort. <sighs> Never mind. Your boy. <laughs> All right, Trav. Thanks again and uh and we'll catch up later. Thank you. Yep. This is the first official segment of Insta Tweet Mail. I did get a message with a question and comment about Firefly. So in episode 3 I covered uh, Firefly and The comment and question are as follows. Firefly, man, I love that show. That show is so deep. Would you consider a deeper dive into your favorite episodes or the follow-up movie, Serenity? Great questions. I would absolutely love to go ahead and get deeper into uh, Firefly and Serenity. So that is something that that I will do on a future episode. Maybe bring a buddy of mine on who I know is a big... Uh, Firefly Firefly fan as well and uh, get into that. So again, I do appreciate the comment. I'll follow up and we will get back to Firefly and Serenity. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the music segment. Sound you can feel. And, Before recording today, I, along with everyone else, got word that Eddie Van Halen had passed away at the age of 65 from cancer. Uh, If you were a Van Halen fan at all, you knew that Eddie had battled uh, cancer for quite some time, but it just, certain people that you're just still shocked when when you hear. I mean, in in my opinion, and I'm sure a lot of our opinions, 65 is just too young to go and so many times our heroes and I, and I I use that term loosely because there's, you know, people you look up to for different things. Now, you know, we all have things that, that we do that aren't so good. And hopefully more, we do more good than, than not. Um, Eddie had his demons uh, with alcohol and whatnot, but, the gift of of his guitar playing is what what his fans are going to remember, and I mean that what an absolute gift! If you've if you've ever heard a Van Halen song, Eddie was one of those guitarists that you could pick out Eddie playing guitar. Uh, a lot of you who are Michael Jackson fans or know of Michael Jackson either know or will be surprised to know that Eddie played guitar on the song beat it. Um, in an interview with Piers Morgan that a friend of mine uh, shared in a text today, uh, Eddie talked about how that came to be. And he, he told Piers Morgan about that. He had gotten a call from Quincy Jones who produced the thriller album and asked him if he would uh, lay down some tracks on it. And and he told the story of how at the time the band had this policy internally that they didn't do stuff outside the band. And he mentioned that the other guys in the band were out of town, so he couldn't really ask him. And he said it took all of about 20 minutes to go ahead and do. And it's, you know, just that kind of thing. And I, there's so many of us that will never be able to go ahead and understand uh Genius of some of of a lot of people out there in their respective fields Eddie Van Halen on the guitar was a musical genius uh the the things that that he did and was able to do and and hear things the way he did and and there's there's a lot of people out there that are musically gifted and then there's a lot of people that take it to the next level and in my opinion, Eddie van Halen was one of those guys that could take it to the next level eruption. Will always be one of the great and recognizable guitar solos of all time, and especially with Eddie's trademark finger tapping, it just is one of those one of those solos that you know as soon as you hear it. I was lucky enough in 2012 to catch Van Halen uh, in Indianapolis, and there was a section there. Interestingly enough, uh, a little side side note before I tell that story. Was Eddie would go ahead and lay down tracks of, of guitar solos and, and whatnot, just, just record them, just playing guitar. And Eruption was actually a solo that was pieced together from a bunch of different tracks that he had played. And he would do this often. He would go ahead and record, pick the parts of the solos that he liked, and then splice them together. And then before uh, recording or going out on tour, especially he'd have to listen to the tracks and learn how to play the, the solos that he had uh, spliced together. So a little interesting tidbit, but he did a segment of the, uh, of the tour uh, of the show I saw where he would go ahead. He came out and the rest of the band left the stage and he's just playing the guitar and you can pick up a ton of different guitar solos and parts of solos from there. And he must have played seven, eight minutes of just guitar solos. And I'll tell you what, that in the guitar world is, I mean, being in the presence of greatness. So again, if you are a Van Halen fan, I don't have to tell you, you probably already did dig your songs out, vinyl, uh, maybe cassette tapes. Or quite and most easily digital copies and and have listened to Van Halen pretty heavily today. And if you haven't ever listened to Van Halen and you're like, what's the big deal about this Eddie Van Halen? You know, you you've probably heard the name, but if you've never listened, especially if you're listening and you're younger, dig into some of these songs and and go further than the song Jump. Because Jump is very pedestrian and and pop music friendly. Dig into some of the other stuff. Um, you know, the Van Halen firing on all cylinders for me is the cover of You Really Got Me, or Everybody Wants Some, or Panama, and even with Sammy Hagar, um, you know you can dig into those uh, the catalog and just literally lose track at times. So. 65 years old way too young and um when someone in the music world goes it's their legacy left behind and we still get to enjoy listening to their their genius of what they what they put out during their lifetime and i, I think we're going to be listening to eddie van halen and van halen for quite a while That'll do it for the sixth episode of This Won't Teach You Anything. As always, listen, rate, review, subscribe. I do appreciate it. I appreciate every one of you that takes time out of your day to go ahead and listen to me yammer on. Uh, As always, you can reach the show at our email address, thiswontteach at gmail.com. Instagram, this underscore, won't underscore, teach underscore, you underscore anything. On Twitter, at This Won't Teach, or on Facebook, at This Won't Teach. Again, no punctuation in any of those uh, ways to get a hold of us. And thank you for listening to This Won't Teach You Anything.